0: You're listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hannania. Two Guys on Politics examines the perspective of Reagan Democrats. Enjoy the show. I'm Ray Hannania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And the big news this week, huh, Bill? About. Uh, I don't know. I thought the Cold War used to be a phrase that we kind of uh, retired a, a couple decades ago, but it sounds like that's the word of the, the month with Russia. Yes, I'm
1: very, well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Putin uh, said that uh, the worst day of his life was when the uh, Russian uh, communist empire came crashing down. And I think he would like to reestablish a lot of those countries as satellites of Russia. The only one he has at the present time is Belarus, uh, but he certainly is putting pressure on the Ukraine.
0: Yeah, and the Ukraine is kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, that's a major country. I mean, it's not a small little province. When you look at some of those like Serbia and Bulgaria, you know, I was looking at the map. It's a pretty large swath of land. Um, and it opens up more access to the Black Sea if he were to take control of it. It's a political move on his part, though, isn't it?
1: Well, I think it's more than a political move on his part. I think that, uh, you know, he already has uh, people in uh, the eastern portion of Ukraine uh, fighting as uh, Ukrainians uh, against the Ukrainian government uh, that, you know, he is totally funding and supplying uh, so, you know, he took over Crimea, which, quite frankly, I would accept because they had a, the Russians had big seaport there and they should have had access to that seaport. And the Ukrainian government didn't want to give it to him. Right. So that's why he moved in there. But yeah. anything else, I think is aggression, uh, you know, beyond, you know, what he should
0: be doing. Right. In other words, he's uh, Putin is not. Uh, like his, uh, peace predecessors. Um, the, he's a complete, I, as you pointed out, he's not somebody who I think favors the, all the changes that have taken place since, you know, uh, Reagan and since the collapse of the, uh, Berlin wall and the abandonment of, you know, the Soviet union, Um, It it seemed like that they could have moved into a very democratic process, but it's clear from his leadership, you know, I think he was president like maybe 12 years. Then they put his vice president in charge for a while um, and then they changed the law to let him be president again, you know, to go back. He's basically a dictator now with, uh, you know, under the guise of some type of Russian version of quote-unquote democracy, which really doesn't exist there. Well, I
1: think that the West made a mistake a long time ago. Yeah, I was still in Congress when uh, the Berlin War fell and uh, international communism collapsed. And the West started taking countries out of the Eastern Bloc and putting them into NATO and the European Union. Uh, I always thought that they should have made overtures to Russia at that particular time to join NATO, to join the European Union, thereby making them more a part of the West. Unfortunately, we didn't, didn't do so. Uh, and I believe it was George Bush and Clinton uh, that had opportunities to do it, but they just ignored it. And I think uh, once the Russians got a, a person like Putin, who was uh, you know, sorry about the collapse of the empire, uh, he started pushing back against the West, and he doesn't like the idea that NATO and the European Union is so close to his borders now.
0: Yeah, and there's been some fighting, I guess, right, between the Ukrainians and the, and these uh, Russian-backed rebels in the Ukraine Absolutely. that Putin has supported. Uh, you know, Putin concerns me because, you know, he's a former KGB head, uh, old line, you know, Soviet Union that's where he really rose up to power when the Soviet Union and the communists were in power. It didn't seem to benefit him, you know, that the Soviet Union collapsed and the Russians were moving toward democracy, um, and all the problems with you know his uh, uh, presidential rivals, candidates that were running against them, would mysteriously get sick and die, or they'd be imprisoned. Um, this is not a guy we should be working with. You know, it was one of the things that I think hurt. Uh, Donald Trump, this association, this idea that somehow he was close to Putin. But I don't really think he was that close, but he played it soft with them, I thought. And I, I think it hurt him. What do you think Biden is going to be doing other than, you know, banging some drums here? Do you think how tough can he get? Well, uh,
1: it is my opinion uh, that uh, he's going to have to get pretty tough tough in order to deter Putin from moving into more of the Ukraine. Uh, I want to just backtrack for a moment, though. When I was advocating uh, we take Russia into the NATO in the European Union, it was not when Putin was in power. Right. It was when there was a more Moderate. democratic individual, you know, leading Russia. So bringing right. up to the present time, <clears throat> excuse me, I understand right now from what I've read and what I've researched that they've got about, Sixty-five to 70,000 uh, Russian rev- regular troops on the border between Russia and the Ukraine. Yeah. They've also moved up a lot of heavy artillery into that area. They've moved up a number of uh, aircraft uh, squadrons into that area. So there is no question he is attempting to either intimidate the Ukraine and the rest of the West, uh, or he's really going to invade. Now, I think the only way to deter him, quite frankly, from invading is if Joe Biden makes a very, very strong stand and say, you know, that he will convince NATO to send their troops into the Ukraine, you know, to protect the Ukraine. Right. I think that's the only way that you're going to be able to stop Putin from moving.
0: So if we put NATO troops in the Ukraine, it makes it harder for the Russians to, invade the Ukraine because they risk killing NATO troops.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: And that puts the burden on them. In other words, we're not going to attack. I mean, I don't see us attacking Russia. Oh, no, and, absolutely. And I, and, but I don't see Biden putting any American troops other than whatever is part of the NATO contingent. You know, they won't be identified as American troops. Maybe there'll be some, right, with NATO.
1: Maybe sure. yeah they'll all be NATO troops. Right. I mean, right now we do have, uh, you know, American advisors in the Ukraine. And I understand the British and the French also have some advisors there in the Ukraine. One of the problems with this whole situation, though, is that the Ukraine itself is not the most democratic, uh, cleanly run. Right. You know, uh, it would help if they were really a, a democratic government, I think, it would put more spirit into their own citizens. Not that their citizens want to go with the Russians, but I don't know how much they're willing to to stand up and really fight in behalf of this particular government.
0: Right. So it's not really about uh, defending. It's not so much about defending Ukraine. It's more about preventing, you know, Russia from expanding, you know, sure. into these other countries. Because you're right. I mean. Uh, the Ukraine could see some improvement there, and but I listen. Sending NATO troops there would be a a big step, and Putin would probably obviously blame us because we are the leader of the free world. Absolutely, and and, and he argues that NATO takes orders from us, Correct. even though NATO is a collective of uh, you know uh, major uh, European and American forces, Western forces. Um, we're going to get blamed for it. He already ordered a lot of uh, uh, U.S. embassy officials, you know, out of the embassy. Uh, he gave them to the end of January. Now that tells me they have until January 31st to get out. That he's hoping that something will be resolved before then. I wonder if Putin is playing a heavy hand to get something from us.
1: Well, oh, I think that uh, he simply wants more of the Ukraine. That's what he wants.
0: He actually um, wants the land.
1: Oh yeah, I think he definitely wants to land. I don't know that he, he could possibly expect to get the entire uh, nation of the Ukraine underneath uh, you know, Soviet control, but he believes that he can certainly get part of it. One of the big problems that we have in the West is the fact that Germany, uh, unfortunately, is probably the least people wanting to engage the Russians in any way, shape or form, frankly. Uh, And because that is because of the, you know, pipeline that's coming out of Russia with all that oil that's going into Germany. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons Uh, there may be some other reasons, but Germany is rather reluctant. I I think that if we really put the hammer down, we can get them to go along with us. Uh, But uh, they're not going to be out there leading the charge. There's no question about that. And they of course would, you know, they would be necessary for us to get NATO troops into the Ukraine.
0: Yeah, they would. They would kind of be a front line. I mean, outside of Poland, right? You know, which would be right between uh, Belarus and Russia. Um, I'm assuming Russia has good relations with the other former, you know, uh, satellite countries right. like Lithuania and no, um, they don't
1: really. No, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, uh, they're very much concerned about the Russians' movement in the Ukraine, because they think if the West allows that to occur, then the Russians will come after them next.
0: Yeah, so it's like a new domino theory. When was the last time we heard that, right? I remember it well. Yeah, no, I know we all did. Now, the the one country that is very
1: enthusiastic about taking on the Russians is Poland, okay? I sometimes think they're too enthusiastic about it, quite frankly.
0: Right.
1: Uh, you know, I don't wanna I don't think that they would do anything to really provoke the Russians, but they certainly say enough anti-Russian uh uh things that I'm sure Putin is not happy with uh them. But by the same token he knows darn well right. if he would move on Poland in any way, them being part of NATO being part of the uh the uh, European Union, that the rest of the countries would have to move on him. And we would have to go along to fulfill our treaty obligations.
0: Yeah. And out of out of all those countries in that area, I'm thinking Poland is the one that I think the U.S. has a closer uh, population tie. There are a lot of Polish Americans in this country, you know, we, we really identify with Poland, even as we do with, you know, Germany and a couple of the other countries. but you know, when you, there's some Ukrainians here in this country, I, I know there are some, but you don't have that same identity, you know, that we do when we talk about Poland, there's a strong identity with Poland. And I'm sure that if you're Polish living in Poland, remembering, you know, what the Russians did after, you know, defeating the Germans during World War II, um, that was not a very good time for anybody, even after they defeated the Nazis. Let's
1: say so when the Germans invaded from the, uh, uh, west. Uh, two days later, the Russians invaded from the east. Uh, they had an agreement to split Poland in half between the Germans and the Russians. Wow! And of course, the Russians lived up to that until Adolf decided to invade Russia. But that's ancient old history. Yeah.
0: Uh, but enough to, enough for uh, Poles to not want to be under control. You know, to open the door to. You know that it's still kind of. It's been 75-plus years, but, uh, you know, the idea that uh, the that Russian uh, identity could somehow come back and influence that country has to be pretty scary.
1: Well, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't 75 years ago that Russia was occupying, you know, Poland right. and all those Eastern Black countries. Uh, but uh, the Poles uh, in the United States ever since Reagan and Pope Pius uh, – uh, no, Pope John II, the, the uh, worked together to bring down international communism, there has been a special relationship between the U.S. and Poland also. Right.
0: Yeah. So, I, so let's see. So we have President Biden. He just doesn't look like a tough guy. I just don't see him being a tough guy. And who's around him? I mean, we need to present the, the U.S. if we're going to stand up to the Russians. We need to be tough. I mean, there there can't be any wavering and say, "Oh yeah, right, this isn't going to happen." I just don't see that image from us yet. Well, listen, Biden canceled the pipeline in our country, okay, but he
1: didn't do anything about the pipeline coming out of Russia into Germany, and he could have. He could have said something, you know, about that, and the Germans might have been willing not to take the pipeline because that pipeline makes the Germans so much more dependent. Upon and, the Russians. Right. And, but Joe and, did nothing about that whatsoever. He did nothing about the hacking
0: that we know the Russians did in this right. country. Right. In the last election and continue to do. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and he keep, uh, Putin keeps denying it, saying, you know, it's not us. But um, no, I don't think anything happens in Russia without him know, not knowing about it.
1: Oh, I agree with you. Totally. A-
0: anything major, any messing around, he could stop it if he wanted to, but he's not. Um, do you think this could, I mean, should Americans be more concerned about this than we are? I mean, right now it's just an issue of, uh, you know, oh, yeah, they're just playing a diplomatic uh, shuffle, you know, kicking people out of embassies, talking about sanctions. Do you think we should worry that it might get worse? Well, I think that
1: we should be concerned about what the Russians and Putin are doing. I don't think that we should be worried, but I think we should be concerned about it but I don't know how many people in America, uh, you know, really know anything about the situation. I mean, I still believe that the overwhelming majority of Americans are isolationist, okay? They believe we got a big ocean on the East, we got a big ocean on the West. We don't have to worry about what goes on, you know, in the Far East or what goes on in Europe really. You know know how difficult it was to get us into the Second World War until we got attacked. Okay, once we got attacked, it was a different story. But I still think so much of this country has the isolationist mentality. Consequently, they don't read anything about these uh, situations in Europe, or for that matter, you know, in Hong Kong, or the threats to Taiwan from the Chinese. We're going to have to have a leader who's going to be willing to talk about this, Talk about it on a regular basis so we can get the American people involved if it's going to be necessary.
0: And, you know, this, this comes at a bad time because uh, look at the last conflict we had with the Russians in the Middle East in Syria. Um, and we kind of backed down, to be honest with you. We kind of stepped back. Um, the Russians are solid there with that uh, uh, Bashar al Assad, the president of Syria. Um, Russian forces pretty much are running the military there. There and Syria has been carved up into little areas, you know. But we kind of stepped back. We kind of eased up on the Russians there and pretty much allowed uh, Russia and the Bashar al assads government to continue, rather than forcing them to step That's down true. and and doing something. So they beat us there. Um, how do we find any? you know, encouragement that we're not going to see the same type of thing happen in the Ukraine. And, and wouldn't you be encouraged if you were Putin to say, well, look how they backed down in Syria and in the Middle East, where, you know, we have such a big stake, much more, I, I think, a stronger stake there than in that area around Ukraine. Um, you know, he's probably emboldened by the fact that we, we, they forced this back in Syria They can force us back into Ukraine. So they put up with some sanctions. Um, They put up with a heated rhetoric. Um, I I think that all the signs are for him to go in there.
1: I don't think it helps us any that uh, in the manner we got out of Afghanistan at all. I think that was a show of uh, weakness on our
0: part. That too. You're absolutely right.
1: At the doorstep of uh, President Biden, unfortunately. Uh, talking about that, I understand there are still some Americans uh, there that would like to get out, but uh, at the present time, they seem to be stuck there. So there's nothing that we have done that I know of, you know, to really say to the Russians and Britain, you know, this is a red line. You cross that line. You're going to have real problems with us, not just with sanctions.
0: Right. Yeah. I, this whole idea of a red line go- reminds me of when Obama was president. He issued some red lines. And uh, at some point, they became meaningless, you know, in Syria. So, uh, yeah, if I were the Russians, I'd be thinking now's the time to try to reestablish the Soviet Union and uh, and figure out what form we could do it in.
1: Uh, now, where does uh, besides Syria, where does the Ru- where do the Russians have uh, influence in that uh, the area there with Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, uh, you know? Ultimately, Egypt. uh,
0: Well, uh, most of it, most of it is in Syria, but they have, they use Syria uh, to work, you know, arrangements with the Iraqis, you know, who are east of Syria. And, you know, we pretty much walked out of Iraq, too, after spending all that money and years there. Uh, We've kind of, we left it open, you know, to them. And then, of course, you got Iran, um, you know, a major threat in that region. And, uh, the, you know, we've been trying to work this uh, JCPOA, this uh, agreement, you know, for nuclear weapons. We can't trust the Iranians. Uh, these guys, the Iranians are kind of like the Russians. They know how far they can push us. They know what they can get from us. And they know that if they just keep talking with us, they can keep doing the things that they're doing because they're not pulling back on their uh, drive to get a nuclear weapon. They're actually expanding it. They're building missile sites and, you know, they are moving forward with their nuclear uh, plans. Uh, We haven't been able to stop them. I mean, when you look at that whole, you know, when you look at the map now, it becomes scary because you're looking at Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria, um, and then it goes up to the only thing between the Black Sea and Syria is Turkey. And who knows what could happen there if they get into the Ukraine um, and they spread out. If they build a base in the Black Sea, Turkey pretty soon is going to feel the pressure. And then next thing you know, you have this ring of Russian influence that uh, changes the whole map. It's uh, actually I hate to look at it that way because it's kind of frightening. And the Middle East and all that oil there that we depend on, um, you know, with Saudi Arabia it really kind of working with us to hold down the cost of oil, that could change overnight. And oil and gasoline prices would really kill us in this country. They haven't, but they've been strained. And uh, I'm always concerned about Israel
1: getting concerned about atomic weapons. Right. uh, On the part of the... uh, Iranians. Yes. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get to the point where they feel that they have to Uh, issue, you know, a first strike on the Iranians' potential of developing nuclear weapons. Now that creates a problem all the way around.
0: Yes, it does, because now Israel goes over um, to get to Iran. They would have to go over Jordan and Iraq um, to get to Iran. Um, Of course, I don't want to see Israel do that. I, I think Israel they're a little, you know, me being Middle Eastern. Oh, I understand. Yeah. I, I don't trust them either because I, I think they have the largest nuclear catch in that region outside of the Russians. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, they, it's hurt us in our efforts to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon because everybody points to Israel and says, oh, yeah, if you're an American air, ally, you can have nuclear weapons. But if you're not like us, we can't have nuclear weapons. And they use that as a means of showcasing hypocrisy to say that the U.S. policy isn't based on justice or doing what's right or safety. It's based on politics.
1: It's based on the fact that Christians and Jews can do no wrong. So we're together over there in the Far
0: East. Right. And
1: then. I mean, that's the attitude it seems to, to convey to people in the Middle East often.
0: Yes, it does. It sends the wrong message out because the Middle East, all Muslim, ninety-nine percent Muslim. Um, we don't want to lose them either. I mean, I this is. I mean, people, if they want to think of this, you, you got to look at it as a game of risk. I don't know if you remember that game back in the well, seventies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a great game. And all it was about was just grabbing these countries and building a base. And pretty soon, you could be an ominous threat with enough of these countries in your control. So I don't know. This is scary. Um, What do you think Uh, we're going to be?
1: I thought set Putin off was when uh, President Obama called them nothing but a regional power. It seems to me that Putin became more aggressive after uh, Biden. Other that statement that he had been before,
0: that, that Biden shamed him basically, yeah. like he was insignificant. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably not the smart way. Maybe if they, of course, he wouldn't pump him up a little bit because of all the, the, you know, it's ironic because of all the things that were said during the Trump era with Russia. Biden couldn't cozy up to Putin at all or the Russians. It's almost like he was forced to get into a confrontation because of the politics that we've been through.
1: Well, and we talk about this. Uh, I know we don't have a lot to, a lot of time left, and I'm sure that we should save this for another program very soon. But we have to start looking at China and yeah. what's going on there in the Far East and how much they've built up their military and how aggressive they have become in the last few years. I mean, so we've got Russia in Europe. we got China in the Far East. It's almost like it's back to when we were fighting the Japanese on one hand and fighting the Germans on the other hand. Ironic.
0: And and back to how we started the podcast today, um, that, you know, the term Cold War, war, the Cold War is back in vogue. It's a real phrase. It's not something we can look back on and reminisce and talk about like it was history. It sounds like we're moving in that direction. And And
1: we we should have, you know, Ronald Reagan was the first president really to talk tough to the Russians. Everybody else tried to have this state; they taunt, just contain them. I mean, Reagan went right out, you know, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev. And he did a numerous other things. I think the only thing the Russians understand, you know, is being strong and being forceful. And I think Joe better start doing that or I think they're gonna move more and more aggressively.
0: All right, Bill, that's uh, that that is a frightening story developing over there, you know, across the waters. And uh, we're going to have to pay more attention to that. And I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, when he made a statement, there was a feeling that he would follow through, that it would be not, you know, a pleasant uh, experience for the Russians. So I think that, yeah, acting, talking tough, being in addition to talking tough, you got to be tough. I'm not sure if we're going to – I just don't see that in Biden, you know, being tough. Yeah, and that that's probably what Putin's seeing, right? Somebody may be doing a lot of talk, but how much substance is behind that talk? That That's disturbing. All right, Bill. Okay, now, Craven. All right, I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And we will uh, be back next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to Ray Hanania on politics. I am Ray Hanania, and I appreciate you uh, listening to my views and my opinions about major topics. Um, As you know, I read about mainstream and Middle East issues. This is my mainstream politics. My website is Hanania.com. If you want more information, please visit there. Thank you so much for listening.